Uh, the reason I'm here, I think I can be a motivation to some of the fellow investors because I have no background, I have no family or friends in this field before I started and I have uh, no money, I had uh, no time because I have a full-time job and I have a family with two kids and I have a lot of activities. I'm a fairly avid poker player and I, I do rock climbing and I do running a lot. And uh, I don't have uh, much skill. I'm lazy and I, I'm not handy. I think the most thing I can do is to change a light bulb. That's about it. And the last one is I'm socially awkward. I'm very awkward in networking and I feel nervous in a lot, in lot of chances that I had to talk. But even me can have some moderate success and I'm willing to share this limited experience to you guys. From the middle of America, welcome to the Oklahoma City Real Estate Show. Covering local market data, news, and reports to arm you with information you need to empower your investing and strengthen your American rights. Top Realtor, investor, husband, father, and veteran. Here is your host, Landon Whit. For more information and to listen or watch online, visit okcrealestateshow.com. Right. Okay, Howard, it's been an honor to have you come in to the show today and talk a little bit about your experience in Oklahoma City. Um, I think what's most important today is really getting your honest view of yeah. Oklahoma City. You've spent a lot of time working, looking at numbers, uh, getting reports back from your property managers. Yeah. Um, you've had an experience that I think is extremely valuable for someone who maybe is looking into Oklahoma City for the first time, and even those that have been here for a long time already, to learn maybe from your mistakes and also your successes. Yeah. So uh, welcome to the show. Please start and tell us a little bit about your story, about how you got into real estate, and then where you are now. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm a big fan of you. Uh, as I have told you, I have listened to every episode of you on podcast. And uh, I was uh, uh, born and raised in China. I uh, came to Houston for my master's degree in 2004. And uh, in 2006, I got a job here. So that's why I end up here. Uh, I have a engineering job. It's a traffic. It's a, a branch of civil engineering. So that's how I started my life here in OKC. And... Mm -hmm. um, I uh, spent the first of my few working years not knowing real estate at all. So I think up until 2010, 2011, I don't have any rentals. I don't know how to buy. I don't know nothing in real estate. And um, I, uh, I figured out I have to do, do something with my money. I, don't, I didn't have much at that time, but... I ha I read the book. You probably know know, know that book. And Rich Dad, Poor Dad. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's the book. The book. The the book actually didn't tell anything about how you do things, but it will change your mindset mm -hmm. to uh, owning more assets than li liability to have passive cash flow. And uh, that's I I, uh, 
after reading the book, I was like, damn, that's the way I need to go. So uh, I, uh, 2011 is the lowest year in real estate. So I, I was fortunate to bought a real small single family home and a real cheap. I think it's costing me only 50,000 bucks. And uh, I, uh, I don't know nothing. I uh, hire somebody to manage, to repair, to rent. And at uh, first, I was very uh, nervous because it, it, it went four months without anybody rent. Mm. Yeah, I was nervous. I, I was like, they are cheating and this thing won't work. It's a, it's a hoax. But uh, finally, I found somebody to move in and... Uh, from then on, it's, it's just, it, it all started. Mm. Yeah. 2011. 2011. First property. That's the first one. Did you pay cash? Uh, no, I, I applied for loan. Even the house was, was pretty cheap, but I couldn't afford it. Mm. So, yeah. So 2011, you got your first property. Yeah. It didn't rent for four months. For four months, I, I panicked. Yeah. yeah, I've made a terrible decision. Is probably what you were thinking at that point. Yeah, yeah. I um, I really think this thing would would not work. At least not for me. But uh, after those four months, I found I found a good tenant in, and uh, the family lived there for six, five, six years. Mm. So it was it was it was great. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So four months to get them. Yeah. Then they ended up staying for five years. For five years. Wow. Yes. Okay. And you self managed at that point. You were the one that was showing the property, and you were the one. Are you hired a property management company to? Actually, no. I uh, I I have my day job all the time uh, till now, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't have time to show. I don't have time to repair. So I found the property manager from day one. Excellent. Excellent. So, yeah. so you've got the first property. Yeah. Took you four months to get it rented. You got it rented. Yeah. Did you immediately then look for your second property? Uh, yeah, I was always looking, but uh, good uh, deals don't come every day. So uh, it took me a, a pretty long time, like a half a year or so, to find another one. And uh, so I uh, bought, I think I bought five to the year 2013. And uh, uh, I took a long time off. Uh, I stopped buying from 2013 all the way to last year. I didn't buy anything in, in, those, la- uh, in those five years. The mm. thing is, uh, mm, I figured this uh, is uh, for, for one, it's so hard to make a wealth, to make a good wealth in buying real estate because... The properties are good, the tenants are good, but I can only generate probably a hundred to two hundred bucks a month per property. So the total properties I can, the total uh, cash I can get in a year with five properties is like probably eight thousand, nine thousand a year. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a real slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at that point, you we're reassessing your strategy, right? Yes. Thinking, yes. If I'm going to do this, it's going to take me till I'm 80 years old to actually make a living. Exactly. Yeah, might a, as well retire. I already know uh, making money in real estate is slow, but I didn't expect it that slow. Mm-hmm. That's why I took a long break off. Mm. So from, you've got six properties at that point, correct? You'd uh, had six properties at yes. the time where you felt 
Yes. Okay. That's pretty typical is those first 10 are extremely difficult with the strategy that you're talking about, which you are buying pretty much turnkey properties. Is that right? I would say it's 100% turnkey, but pretty much, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you've gotten to six. You decided to take a break. How long was yeah. that break again? The break was five years. It's not only I found this thing is slow, so slow. And another thing is I, I, uh, I play a lot of poker at that time. And mm -hmm. I found I, it's a better way for me to use, <laughs> to use my capital in poker. I'm a, I'm a pretty good poker player. So I, I made uh, decent money in poker. And uh, all t until 2018, which is the last year, not too long ago, I found, man, there's a, another uh, good way that I can find value add properties and I can jump back in again, which is uh, uh, that way is uh, for sheriff sale, mm. sheriff sale mm -hmm. auctions. What year was that in? 2018, last year. Okay. Yeah. And sheriff sales were busy then. How yeah. many people you, you think were in the room? Well, I really go to two sheriff. Uh, uh, I really go to sheriff sales in two counties: Oklahoma County and uh, Cleveland. Cleveland County was smaller. They have every sheriff sale. They have about thirty to fifty people. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma County's sheriff sale was big. Every time they have more than a thousand people in there, and uh, they they bid crazy. But mm. in 2018, things were not heat up as today yet. So my first sheriff sale in Oklahoma, Oklahoma County, I bought a property, sight unseen. And uh, that, I, uh, so I shift my interest to sheriff sale like 100%. Mm. I studied the numbers online. I drove around in, uh, on weekends to, to see the properties. And of course, you can't, get in, but you can see the outside. If, you, if you're if you sure it's empty, you can take a, 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 a good peek. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, you have to study the legal do documents and uh, make sure it's a first lien, first uh, mortgage. Uh, exactly. Foreclosure. If it's the, the, yep. the second one, the first will not get wiped. You would end up to pay that. Mm -hmm. You don't want that. And... Uh, so in uh, in a real short time, I bought I bought around twenty for sheriff sales. Mm. Uh, the thing for sheriff sale is uh, you don't need a lot of money to keep this thing rolling, and of course you need mo money to to get started because you will have to pay cash in sheriff sales. The thing is, that if you win a bid, you will need to pay ten percent within twenty four hours. And then you pay the the rest ninety percent is usually within a month or six weeks, so you will need to have cash. Mm -hmm. They don't care if your cash is uh, the the cash is yourself or from from a friend private loan, hard money loan, or from a line of credit. But you need to have that cash by that time. Mm. So it's it's a little hard to get started because you need to have the cash. But the thing is, the 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 all in price you pay for the sheriff sale is like around sixty to seventy percent of the market value. So there's some instant equity there, and uh, you buy it, you spend maybe five k, maybe ten k, maybe fifteen k in very bad case to rehab, and after it's all said and done, 
your all-in cost is around 70 to 70 percent of the ARV after repair value. And then you can bring that property to a lender, get either a line of credit or a term loan, so you can get almost all of your mo- your money back. Hmm. This is the way you can you can grow your thing without a lot a lot of cash. Yeah, yep. quickly there. But you need the original cash to start the process, and not only just to start the process, but you probably had enough cash. I'm assuming from gambling. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Which, well, you can call it a gambling. Disclaimer, but... we don't condone gambling on no, the show. No, uh, Because it can be addictive, right? Yes, yes. Right? Do you feel like right. you're addicted to gambling? I wouldn't say I'm addictive. I only gamble when I have an edge. And uh, when I feel the edge is gone, I can just stop. You have control. I have the, the control So you, there. you've yeah. managed your ego. Right, right, okay. right. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of people that are controlled by the ego, they will be like, I have to win today if they don't win they feel so bad about themselves mm-hmm. not me mm. so mm. i'm pretty lucky on, on on that side hey and we talked before the show you may be starting a podcast soon about your gambling well uh starting a <laughs> poker show yeah i thought about that and yeah that that's why i'm so excited to see behind the scenes stuff how you run the show and sure. man, it needs a lot of stuff so Hey, but if you've got the demand for it, so if you were listening and, and, you know, some of our listeners may be interested in what you're doing, hey, start an email chain. We'll put your contact information if you want at the bottom of this video and at the bottom of the podcast. That way they can reach out and talk to you and ask you. I mean, some of the most valuable things we learn in this community is when we're able to just openly discuss with each other. I think with investment real estate, there's so much about it that's just hard work. It's just diligence. It's not like some secret that you learn and you go out and do this secret and all of a sudden you make millions of dollars. It's knowing data is important, but it's also hard work. It's diligence. It's showing up. You know, those 20 times, let's say you bought 20 properties in 2018, which is crazy. I mean, that's that is a lot of properties for one year. That uh, is. To yeah. not buy it as part of one portfolio package or something. Right. Um, but you probably didn't buy properties a lot of times you went as well. Is that true? That's exactly true. I, uh, I drive through most of the properties on the list. Each <laughs> sheriff sale, they have a list. And I drive through most of the properties I can see. Other than the real bad area, real far ones. If it's close enough and if if it's halfway decent, I'll drive by it, I'll evaluate, and mm-hmm. I I will put a bid on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put max bids on, I would say, about 60 to 70% on all of the properties from the list. Mm-hmm. And I probably only get one for every um, 40 to 50 bids. Mm-hmm. So sometimes my bid is even lower than the starting bid. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even get the chance to 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 bid, to, sure. to bid. yeah, sure. But and that's the bank driving that. Yes. So for those that haven't been to the sheriff's sale yet, and I do, I, I recommended on Bigger Pockets yesterday to a gentleman that said, you know, what do I do? How do I get started? I, you know, I, I don't have any money yet, but I'm, yeah. in a couple of months, I, I may have enough to be able to start. And what do you recommend that I do? And I told him, I said, go to the sheriff's sale because you can watch these other people. You can yeah. get to meet other people too and just see what they're doing. And and a lot of them will even talk to you. You know, you can yeah, say, exactly. hey, yeah. you know, you know, 
are you new to, you know, you see, you bid it on a lot of properties today. You know, how many properties do you have? And, yeah. and a lot of the people I've noticed that are there are, are flipping the property. Right. If you're flipping the property, you need a different margin than if you're buying and holding like what you're doing. That's exactly right. So yeah. a lot of the people that you're competing against, if they're competing to flip the home, you guys will be in two different bids in two yes. different situations. Yes. And they're not going to often compete with you just because the margin for you, what you need is much smaller than yeah. what they need. They need a very large margin to flip. Um, would you agree yeah. with that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly true on that. And it's funny you mentioned that because I was going to talk about there, there are three type of bidders in the, in the, uh, on the scene. There are flippers. There are uh, buy and hold guys like me, mm-hmm. and uh, there are first-time homeowners. You mm-hmm. would probably be uh, surprised that there are first-time homeowners they want to buy for their own home. Mm-hmm. And uh, for those people, they probably know it's their neighbor's house that's mm-hmm. going on the, the, the sale, and that they want to own that home because they already know the home. Mm-hmm. So for those people, they can, they can uh, be the highest because the investors – there are no way for investors to compete mm-hmm. with them because they, they buy because they love it. They mm-hmm. love the location. They love the home. They have emotions on the home, mm-hmm. not us. We go by the numbers. Mm-hmm. And then the, the flippers, they need a wider margin because when they rehab the home, they need to rehab it to, to a higher standard than us, the buy and hold rental guys. And for us, we can... We uh, our margin can be smaller than the flippers, and there's a, also another thing is uh, our focus are different. We focus on a sweet zone from the uh, value of I would say probably sixty thousand dollars to a hundred twenty, mm-hmm. maybe a hundred thirty, a hundred forty, but you can go higher than than that. If you go higher than that. The uh, rent to value ratio is not going to be good, but for the flippers, they don't care. They actually prefer the higher dollar homes because, for uh, let's say, if a real cheap home, if a ninety thousand dollar home, the flippers can buy it for fifty thousand, right? There is on, there's only forty thousand room for them to play, and they have to pay the rehab, the holding costs. And at the end of the day, their margin is not that much. Mm-hmm. Even though the 50000 purchasing price is only was 61% of the price. But it's not only the percent. It's the actual, actual dollar amount that matters. Mm-hmm. So they can, they can buy a uh, $250,000 home with uh, 160000 bucks. The percent is higher. But the dollar amount is bigger. So they have, because uh, some of the costs, it doesn't matter if it's a big home or a small home. It's going to be pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. So you have to mobilize, you have to get a dumpster there. Right, yeah, yeah the dumpster, the holding cost, the, 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 uh, the interest and tax. Electric, yeah, electric bill, yeah, Yeah, exactly. electric bill, yeah. All the so, same. Yeah. yeah, I did notice that, you know, there are some individuals that are bidding, um, and, and you see that, especially at the sheriff's sale. And I'm glad we're talking about the sheriff's sale because we haven't really talked about it on the show. Um, okay. I've talked about it off the show quite a bit. Um, I personally uh, failed miserably at the sheriff's sale um, just because I was looking for a different margin, and I felt mm-hmm. like the banks oftentimes, mm-hmm. like, 
you would you would be bidding against somebody, right? And yes. then the bank would say, you know, sixty one thousand, you know, sixty one thousand yeah. three hundred, yeah. sixty one thousand four hundred, yeah. And then the bank would finally say sixty six thousand four hundred and thirty five dollars, and yeah. then you'd know that's the payoff. That's their final yeah, price. The, right. Yeah, they will you know? stop there yeah. exactly. Yep. Yeah. But then ten other guys would jump on and start oh. bidding. You know, because you'd finally so those guys yeah. wait till yeah. the bank <laughs> say their final numbers. So exactly. and then they, they yeah. jump in. Yeah, yep. it happens. Yep. It happens. So, you end up spending uh, so many, so much time and energy, and then getting to a point where you you go, "Gosh, is it worth it?" And I think you know we got burned in a couple cases where the property had foundation issues oh, yeah. and stuff that you couldn't see from the outside. Right. Um, so um, most of our family's portfolio, we have ninety properties that are all paid wow. off. Most of that was acquired during the HUD home store when HUD they really store. started okay. in the early 2000s, okay? Gotcha. There was some laws at that time period where a bank could only hold a property for a year. And uh. then they had to do something with it. Okay. Now, for some reason, they can hold it for forever. So mm. when you see these vacant, boarded-up homes, those can actually be purchased by investors in China or investors in, mm. in uh, somewhere in Europe. And they literally hold those properties for 20 and 30 years, some mm. of them. And then they just sell it off without doing anything to it other than paying the holding costs. Just because they've looked at the tax, mm -hmm. the tax rate versus the appreciation rate, mm -hmm. they do the math, it makes sense. And they just pay the tax. That's mm. it. Because you can only uh, appreciate a property, I think it's 2.5 or 2% annually is the max the county can appreciate a property that hasn't been sold. I'll have to get okay. that number, but mm. it's something like like two percent in Oklahoma County. I do um, know that. Yeah. So yeah. if you don't ever refinance or you don't ever uh, do a transaction on your home, mm -hmm. the county then reappraises it only when they do their annual reappraisal. But yep. there's a law to prevent them from raising it too much. Too much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So that's mm. important when you buy a property for fifteen thousand dollars. That's crappy, right? Yeah. You just pay the taxes on it, which is only a couple hundred dollars a year, yeah. you hold that property for six or seven years, you let the appreciation go up, and then you sell the same property without doing anything to it. Yeah, This is a corporate investor mentality. Yeah. Um, let's talk. So you've now got 25 property, 26 properties we've talked about up till now. Then you started getting involved with some friends, and you grew your portfolio even faster and yeah. now you're at 50 homes that you're involved in. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. 50-something is what 50 you something. What the yeah. yeah. I lost a count from 30, I think, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I have uh, very uh, few good friends, and uh, I uh, uh, partner up with them, and uh, we bought a small, I wouldn't call it an apartment, but it's uh, four plexes, five buildings of four plexes. It's uh, actually real close to the plaza district, on 17th Street, mm. and uh, that's that's my first try with a partnership. I partnership with friends, and we pull money together. And uh, uh, of course, they are they are not local; they are in China or in Hong Kong. And uh, so I put the work in, and uh, we put equal amount of money in, and I own a little more share. Mm. So that's how it works. And uh, of course, uh, because they are they are not local, they don't know the market well. So I do all the work, and uh, they uh, they don't stick in and say, "Hey, you should do this, you should do that." So basically, I I run the show. So 
Good. Yeah, well, you've it, got it, experience it now at this point. Yeah. 2018 was an incredible year for you. I mean, in terms of real estate numbers. Definitely you, is. Yeah. You're ta- but that wasn't, I mean, we were working that, I mean, 2018, are, yes, we did a lot of sales that year, but it wasn't anything spectacular. Like, it wasn't a recession. There wasn't. Uh, so it seems to be that you were, you knew your numbers, right? You had learned a method yeah. and you were looking for though that specific margin. And when it came along, you pulled the trigger. Yeah. I mean, your deals can't have been like crazy great, no, right? Right, right. Okay. So walk me through uh, kind of quickly, what what did you look for? What was your recipe to buy 20 homes in one year? Okay. Uh, when I, when I uh, compare deals, because I, uh, I, li- I listen to your show a lot and I know uh, you talk about lo- a lot on cash flow and mm-hmm. that's very, very, very important. And you have to have positive cash flow. Mm-hmm. But when you compare deals, when you compare deal A from deal B from deal C, which one is the best? The thing is, you don't directly look to cash flow, not yet. You look at the cap rate. Mm. Because cap rate is how it's all about the property itself. Mm. It's not about the loan. Because when you talk mm. about cash flow, you need to know how much monthly payment you need to pay on the property, and you take that as a, as a expense. Mm. But when you look at uh, cap rates, you only look at the, the net operating income. That's the income. That's the um, the uh, what's that divider? The one uh, the number above the line. No, that's the, oh median. That's the denominator. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah, yeah. A the denominator. Denominator yeah. and the divider, the the number below the line is the is your all-in purchase cost. Mm. That cost will include the purchase price plus the money you put in for rehab. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a net operating income on top and your all-in cost in on the bottom. For the net operating uh, net operating income. You take your gross rent minus all of your expense, minus all of the tax, property tax, minus the insurance, and uh, minus any uh, uh, vacancy type of cost, mm-hmm. and that would be it. Mm. You don't you you don't subtract any um, uh, mortgage payment, any mortgage interest, not that. Only the net operating income. So you calculate the cap rate over the purchase price acquisition o- price over the acquisition price mm-hmm. yeah plus your your re- rehab cost oh plus okay plus yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah, you're plus the rehab so you wrap up the so re- you're but you're just saying ten to fifteen thousand dollars is what you were doing on your metric right I mean, right you're running yeah. which is pretty conservative yeah I, I I don't do crazy rehab for the homes because it's a rental home mm-hmm. and uh, you don't want a fancy carpet fancy wood floor in there mm-hmm. i I basically do uh vinyl plank for all of the properties about three grand uh, yeah yeah exactly and yeah. Uh, and the price is up a little mm-hmm. bit but that that's another issue so uh, yeah you calculate all that number and uh it will give you a a, a percent is usually from anywhere from Five to eight percent. For most of the single families, five to eight percent. 
five to eight percent of the cost total purchase price of the home is the is the renovation uh, no, uh, amount that you spend. No, uh, the 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 cap rate. Oh, the cap rate. Yeah, the okay. Ca- the cap gotcha. rate. Gotcha. Yeah, is zero to five so to eight percent. Five to eight percent. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay, so five to eight percent. Five. Any number. Any number below five being a number that is a no go. It's probably too low to go. The reason is. Yeah. The reason is, uh, you are. Uh, any number below 5%, you need to ask yourself, can I borrow money cheaper than 5%? Can I find finance with less than 5% interest? If you can't, that means it's, it's not profitable to borrow for the property. So you can't finance or, or, or refinance. So if you refinance on, on, on those kind of property, you pay 5.5% of interest. You're losing money mm-hmm. on every dollar you borrow. You're losing. But if you find a property with, let's say, 6.5% of a cap rate, that means with every dollar you borrow, if it's lower than 6.5% interest, you're making money. So for every dollar you pay in interest, you're making probably one cent or one cent and a half for your own profit. Mm. That, that, that's my, my logic in comparing deals. Mm. So what, when do you feel comfortable pulling the trigger? What is that cap rate that you pulled in 2018 of 28 of all 20 deals? What would you say was the cap rate? I mean, the range obviously between yeah. five to eight, what was the most common cap rate? The most common, I would say probably six to 6.5% is around that, that range. And of course, the first two properties I bought, I mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of interest. Uh, I didn't have a, a lot of experience. Mm-hmm. So uh, those two are, they have a pretty, uh, pretty low cap rate. Uh, the part of the reason is because of one of the pro- property, what, it has a uh, very bad swimming pool. It's just a very old and nasty swimming pool in the yard and to keep mm. it as a rental, I have to fill that out. Mm. And that costs a lot, cost me about 8,000 bucks. Mm. Uh, so that dragged the cap rate down wow. a lot, yeah. But- uh, Which is something in the future that do you feel like if you would have climbed up the fence or somehow gone to the back of the property or even satellite imagery would have shown you, like Google Google Earth would have shown you that there's a pool back there. Yeah, exactly. For, for, for uh, if you wanna see if there's a pool, is uh, the best way to see is not climbing over the fence. It's uh, through, through through the map. Yeah, <laughs> through Google satellite map. There you go. Yeah. Satellite map or a drone, maybe if somebody or has drone. a drone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's even drone. better. Yeah, you get real time imagery. Yeah. Um, so we're almost out of time here today. Um, yeah. I want to. We're probably going to have to have you on the show again because you're just a wealth of knowledge and you and your knowledge that has happened recently. I think a lot of our 50 plus property owners have purchased property over time and a lot of them have purchased a, maybe a few in the last mm-hmm. five years. Yeah. Whereas you've purchased the bulk of your portfolio in just the last couple of years. So the last your, couple your, of years, your yes. information is really current, which is great. Um, talk to me a little bit about area. Are you area agnostic? Do you not care where you're investing, or yeah. or do you um, look at specific areas of Oklahoma City? Yeah, I I, I do care. I do care about the area, and uh, Oklahoma City is uh, I would say it's hard to uh, say this whole area is good or that whole area is bad because we have a lot of pockets in the area, and uh, 
only the pockets is good, but the rest is 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 bad. That's why I drive around for most of the properties. But、uh, generally speaking, uh, the the area you're focusing on, which is the northwest, right? The northwest, they there are tons of good pockets in those, and、mm-hmm. I I buy a lot in those areas, uh, which is uh, north of uh, I I forty and.、Uh, West of I two thirty five, yeah, and of course the real high dollar area like the village, the Nichols Hills. I try to stay away because those areas are just they cost too much.、Mm-hmm. But even west of I forty four or Lake Hefner Parkway, there are a lot of good pockets in the neighbor, and、uh, you just need to find them. And、uh, I generally try to stay away from the northeast side,、mm-hmm. uh, east of I two thirty five, and the north of I forty, because that area is、uh, is kind of rough, still high crime area. The cash flow look good, but maybe only good on paper. So you probably will find bad tenants, or they don't pay, and there are issues, evictions, stuff. So、uh, I generally try to avoid that, and.、Uh, The Dell City and the Midwest City is interesting.、Uh, you need to really dig into there to find the good ones. I have a four or five property properties in those areas.、Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. It's it's probably booming because one of the shows talk talk about a recent Tinker project,、mm-hmm. I believe,、mm-hmm. and、uh, the hangers, the,、yep. the hangers, and、yep. which will create what a thousand jobs or so. So、it's estimated one thousand to fifteen hundred. One thousand to fifteen hundred. Yeah, yeah. those are contracted positions. Nice, and、uh, those area will have opportunities probably in the future, even in today. So、mm-hmm. that's good. And on the south side, maybe close to I two forty or a little further south, that those areas are the good ones.、Mm. So、mm. yeah, we talked in the last show about the Wheeler District. Okay, you remember、yes. just south on, of on Western, just south of I forty. Yeah,、uh, that area, south of the river, right? Right,、yeah. just south of the river.、Um, it's still high crime rate, as you've said before. It is,、um, but、um, I I feel that with the infrastructure going on with the Wheeler、yeah. District that we talked about,、um, with potentially a charter school going in there,、mm-hmm. and just the close proximity to the Strawberry Fields project. Yeah, the hundred and thirty million dollar Scissortail Park, which、yeah. is going to extend to the south side, which is extremely important. It's right next to each other, right? Right. Yeah, with correct. The so if you、yeah. know where Scissortail Park is, or you know where the new convention center is being built,、uh, you can see that on satellite imagery now. On satellite Google Earth, right now, it's just a big brown mud pit. Yeah. But now it's got green grass and a lake, a three acre lake, and and a ten thousand seat amphitheater.、Um, the important thing, though, is that park is north of I forty. And then south of I forty is the southern half, which will open this coming year. Okay,、wow. and it has a bridge,、yeah. a pedestrian bridge that goes across it. If you you can actually go out there now、mm-hmm. and walk across that bridge, but that bridge will become popular because、mm. it will be the first opportunity that we've ever had to have pedestrian traffic go from the south side into downtown.、Mm. It will be walkable for the first time ever across I forty for. Individuals that obey the law. I mean, people would have been walking across these other bridges and walking down traffic and all this, but this is specifically for pedestrians, and it's nice. It's got wood bridge. It's、yeah. got you know this、uh, big scissor tail art 
looking thing that's supposed to be the tail of a scissor. Yeah, uh, yeah. Scissor tail bird. Uh, very tall. Very good to look at. And then at night, it has different colors that, that uh, shine. I've actually in, uh, yeah. taken my wife on a date there. Yeah. Um, and actually, they have a bunch of locks on this bridge. They're little padlocks. Yeah, I saw and those locks. Did you see yeah. people put their relationship name yeah, on there yeah yeah they put their name yeah. on it and there are tons of locks yeah padlocks and yeah. some of them are hanging off the edge over the traffic Have yeah you seen that? it's, it's got to be dangerous <laughs> so he's, <laughs> he's really doing. showing her his love you know yeah yeah so yeah. but anyways make a long story short that trend of now the downtown being open and accessible yeah. to the south side yeah you've got the wheeler district eventually mm-hmm. that's going to be a good opportunity so i think um, you know, we've got some properties that on the south side. They perform okay, and they're Section 8 right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying any properties that I have to rely on Section 8 anymore for mm-hmm. because I'm not sure what the future of Section 8 is. Trump mm-hmm. gets reelected again. Who knows what's going to happen with mm-hmm. Section 8? He's very against just the free Section 8 that we did have in the past. Gotcha. Wants to limit that type of funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and although Section 8 vouchers are handed out locally and mostly funded locally, the federal funds behind those mm-hmm. determine how many we hand out. So mm-hmm. uh, make a long story short, if you can get in at a cash rate that works, that you can keep that property afloat and you can buy in a seed to that area, I would do it now. This mm-hmm. is a time 73, uh, what is it, 102 um, or something like that, I think is the zip code there, just south and and. and I forty and Western, just southwest of there, that zip code. Yeah. So, well, um, uh, uh, s- s- speaking of the opportunity there, I have a question. That probably other uh, audience have the same questions too. Mm-hmm. If if the government's trying to do a big project in certain area, mm-hmm. how do you make the people move? Do you just pay <laughs> them high dollar money to move, real high dollar? And what if some people just refuse to move? Okay, so. Um, there's a eminent domain is when yeah. the government does right. that. Okay. In an eminent domain, you don't have a choice. Um, you are basically uh, subject in your deed. And this is the part where landowners uh, in America get a little bit squirmy, right? Mm-hmm. So we think in, in America that we own the land. It's yeah. ours forever. Right. Not true. Um, We own the land and we have to pay taxes, right, Mm -hmm. to the United States of America. Yeah. But America has something called imminent domain in that if the government, by direction of the people, it has to be in in uh, for the good of the people. It can't just be a random act of 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 um, control. But if the people determine that a mm-hmm. stadium has to be put here, mm-hmm. or a park has to be put here, or a mm-hmm. hospital needs to be put mm-hmm. here, and you have real estate property that you own in that area, mm-hmm. but the people have voted for the hospital to be there, they can buy your property without you deciding. They can called, make you move. They, they can, can make, make the you move. For you, called huh. imminent domain, but mm. they must give you fair market value. Okay. Okay. That's the part where it goes that, to court and people argue over what fair market value is. Ar- argue, huh? Right. Yeah. You can you can fight it, and this is what happened with I thirty five in the nineteen thirties and forties, you know, or the fifties when after World War Two we came in and we we made I thirty five, I forty, all the interstates of, the, yes. of America. Right. Well, yeah. where did those go through? They went through American farms, right? Yes. So eminent domain had to come in and go. Mm. We're going to buy your farmland to put a road through here for the better, for the good of the nation. Because in the long run, we all agree an interstate was worth it, right? Yeah, we need good quality yes. roads, right? Yeah. Same thing in this. If we mm. determine that we need a big highway running through Oklahoma City, everybody votes on it, 
You have not you have no choice at that point. You get paid, and if you don't leave, the sheriff's coming for you mm. to take you off your property. So gotcha. what your deed means in the United States of America is unless the United States government needs it, you own it. It's yours. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I spent some time I had a lease actually um in the Dominican Republic. And some of you know this story, but um, before I got into real estate here, I was, I had gotten out of the Air Force and I was a bit depressed about my experience in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And I sailed a sailboat 2,000 nautical miles solo, spent over nine months at sea, wow. uh, bouncing between the islands of the Bahamas. Huh. I went from North Carolina to Florida, from Florida through the Bahamas. Yeah. And then I went through the Bahamas and then over to Turks and Caicos. And for Turks and Caicos down to the Dominican. Mm. I found a bar called Brisa del Mar. Okay, uh-huh. This bar uh, was about, uh, what was it, 680 square foot at the bottom level, but it had its outdoor uh, patio seating, and it overlooked this lagoon where sailboats stopped yeah. on their way to Puerto Rico and yeah. the rest of the Caribbean islands, right? Yeah. So people would come from Turks and Caicos, they would stop here, and they would spend several weeks waiting on the weather to get better or whatever, and they would sit and drink and have a good time, and mm-hmm. they would tell other sailors about your bar, and so it seemed to be a good investment for me. The Dominican Republic is very difficult to buy property uh, and own it outright, Okay. okay. You have to be, in a lot of cases, a local resident or have a local resident on your business yeah. uh, panel. So yeah. if you – so anyways, so we decided we were going to lease. We'll lease it for a while, see if it works. So we leased a property. I had this bar and on top of it had an efficiency where you had a bed, you could stay and live. And mm-hmm. I went back to the United States to continue working on my college. I was going to um, Florida Keys Community College there in Florida. So you have somebody else – Managing that part exactly. So I left an American there uh, that was from Connecticut that I met while sailing. Yeah, he he would wake up in the morning, stumble down the stairs, turn on the lights, and open the bar. That's all he had to do, right? (laughs) And it was Christmas. It was like December twentieth of that year. Um, I got a call from this property, this general manager of Brisa del Mar, our bar in the Dominican Republic. And he said, I need to borrow 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I said, what do you mean? Mm. He said, I went to, I'm in jail and I mm. need to borrow 50 bucks to bail myself out. Uh, we were at the beach and, and, and uh, one of the local guys, local law enforcement officers came by and we were doing drugs uh-huh. and we got, put in jail and i and my first reaction was why are you calling me for 50 bucks yeah and And you're still here in the united states yep and then i heard the entire story that he had blown all of our funds he had he had uh gotten involved in a cocaine habit and had done several different uh gambling situations over this cocaine habit wow and had basically uh used our entire funds for the bar operation um, and left us with nothing um, down there. And so we ended up having to close the bar. Huh. And we're actually still in, in touch to this day. Um, he he's, um, says he's drug-free now. Um, but um, that was a lesson um, in business operation, uh, you know, that, that it still sticks with me to today. Um, but I learned a very valuable lesson, and it didn't, it didn't hurt too badly because we had the lease, and, and luckily um, 
there weren't any drugs on in the property, so we, okay. we didn't get raided or anything like that. We just right. ran out of funds. A typical bar that, that, yeah, that runs well. out of money. So anyways, um, the, make a long story short, that's why I was intrigued when I became a realtor to mm-hmm. understand the law behind you know, our properties in the United States. And yeah. if you look at this eminent domain and you look at what it is, you're simply leasing the property from the federal government. For, for, from the Fed, yeah. They say it's yours, yeah. but it's not. It's that, that, not. They have the yep. final say. That's correct. That's correct. <laughs> and as of now, yeah. you know, it's been great. It's the greatest country. I mean, nowhere else in the world. They don't even have 30-year. Do you know a country that has a 30-year mortgage? No. No, I mean, yeah, this there's, is... there's, there's no situation like this. I mean, the fact yeah, that they amazing. give a 30 year mortgage to somebody that is a, an investor is, is that's cuckoo yeah. brains. Yeah. I mean, just it's, you know, the federal government is helping you as an investor yeah. grow when that program was designed for primary homeowners. So, right. uh, it's very yeah. interesting, but, um, you know, we've, we've, we're about out of time here. Um, what would you say to, those that don't know Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. uh, do you plan on continuing to invest in Oklahoma City now that it's gotten popular, now that the word is out that Oklahoma City is the place to be? Definitely. Well, uh, as a long-term, uh, long-time listener of your show, I definitely, I, uh, you ignited my, you reignited my love for Oklahoma City here in local. And uh, I know it's a linear market, as you have been saying for like 10 times. It's a linear. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the annual appreciation is around 3%, 3.4. I think that's your number. Mm-hmm. But last year, I think it uh, got heated up. I think 2018, we went up for 8% maybe mm-hmm. or close to that number. Mm-hmm. It's heating up. Mm-hmm. This is a place mm-hmm. to be. I think Oklahoma now is pretty much like Dallas in 2013, 2014. I don't, I don't like to do a forecast on the market value, but I think we are comparable to Dallas in five years ago. Mm. I think that that's the case. And also, our uh, economy dependent on oil and gas is uh, shrinking. It's becoming lower and lower. We are not so oil-dependent. And uh, we create a lot of jobs on health, aviation, and uh, a lot of other areas. So it's mm-hmm. definitely a uh, multi... Not multi-purpose. What's the word for that? We are, uh, we are not a sole economy that only oil-dependent. Mm-hmm. We are open to, to all the good things. And uh, we are booming. So... This is a chance. I'm long for Oklahoma City. I will continue to invest in here, and uh, I will root here. I will listen to your show, of course, always. Thanks for coming on the show today, Howard. Thank you so much, Landon. Appreciate it. For more information and to listen or watch online, visit okcrealestateshow.com.